Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we are able to be together in prayer this morning. Today is Tuesday, and we're in the sixth week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but a season made up of a week of weeks. This week, we finish up our reading of the Acts of the Apostles, and today we hear Paul witness to the good news of Jesus before King Agrippa. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights or questions that might arise this week. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who gives life, salvation, and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hands are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts, chapter 26. Agrippa addressed Paul. You are permitted, he said, to speak for yourself. Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. I consider myself blessed, King Agrippa, he said, to have the chance to speak before you today in my defense concerning all the things of which the Jews have charged me, in particular because I know you are an expert on all matters of Jewish customs and disputes. I beg you, therefore, to give me a generous hearing. All the Jews know my manner of life. I lived from my earliest days among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have already known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I stand accused because of the hope of the promise made by God to our ancestors, the hope for which our twelve tribes waited with earnest longing in their worship night and day. And it is this hope, O King, for which I am now accused by the Jews. Why should any of you judge it unbelievable that God would raise the dead? I thought I was under obligation to do many things against the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is what I did in Jerusalem. I received authority from the chief priests to shut up many of God's people in prison, and when they were condemned to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them many times in all the synagogues and forced many of them to blaspheme. I became more and more furious against them and even pursued them to the cities in other lands. 
While I was busy on this work, Paul continued, I was traveling to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. Around midday, while I was on the road, O king, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the light of the sun, shining all around me and my companions on the road. We all fell to the ground, and I heard the voice speaking to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, he said, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you, this kicking against the goads. Who are you, Lord? I said. I am Jesus, said the Lord, and you are persecuting me. But get up and stand on your feet. I'm going to tell you why I have appeared to you. I'm going to establish you as a servant, as a witness, both of the things that you have already seen and of the occasions I will appear to you in the future. I will rescue you from the people and from the nations to whom I am going to send you so that you can open their ears to enable them to turn from darkness to light and from the power of the Satan to God, so that they can have forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are made holy by their faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I didn't disobey this vision from heaven. I preached that people should repent and turn to God and do the works that demonstrate repentance, I preached this first to those in Damascus, then also in Jerusalem, in the whole countryside of Judea, and among the nations. That is the reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to slaughter me. But I have had help from God right up to this very day. And so I stand here to bear witness to small and great alike of nothing except what the prophets in Moses too said would happen, namely, that the Messiah would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and that he would proclaim light to the people and to the nations. As Paul was making his defense in this way, Festus roared out at the top of his voice, Paul, you are mad. All this learning of yours has driven you crazy. I'm not mad, most excellent Festus, responded Paul. On the contrary, I am speaking words full of truth and good sense. The king knows about these things, and it is to him that I am speaking so boldly. I cannot believe that any of this has escaped his notice. After all, these things didn't happen in a corner. Do you believe the prophets, King Agrippa? I know you believe them. You reckon you're going to make me a Christian then? Said Agrippa to Paul, and pretty quick too by the sound of it. Whether quick or slow, replied Paul, I pray to God, not only you, but also all who hear me today will become just as I am apart, of course, from these chains. The king, the governor, and Bernice, and those sitting with them, got up. As they were going away, they talked to one another about it. This man, they were saying, has done nothing to deserve death or chains. And Agrippa commented to Festus, this man could have been set free, if only he hadn't gone and appealed to Caesar. The word of the Lord. Paul now presents his case before King Agrippa, his wife Bernice, and a whole court, including Festus, the governor. His defense, however, is actually the gospel itself, the story of Jesus, and how Paul has been brought into this story by the appearance of the risen Jesus, and how he's been called by the crucified and risen Lord to be his witness. Even more surprising than the fact that Paul's defense is actually the preaching of his gospel Uh, Even more surprising might be the fact that Agrippa senses that Paul is not just mounting a defense, but arguing that based on all that Agrippa knows and all that Agrippa believes about what has happened concerning Jesus and all he knows about the law and the prophets, 
that Agrippa himself should become a disciple of Jesus. Jesus once said that it was easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Here might be an illustration of what Jesus was talking about. What would it cost King Agrippa to become a follower of Jesus? And then what would he gain? From his lofty throne, looking down on Paul and listening to him with amused interest, it seems almost impossible that Agrippa could ever change. He might be convinced by Paul's overall argument. He might be sympathetic to the gospel. But the truth of the matter is is that Agrippa is playing the power game with Rome, and that is where his true allegiances, his heart, lies. Where does your heart lie? What fights against our Christian faith in life? What keeps others from putting their trust and confidence in Jesus? To listen to him, to live for him, to become like Paul in every way, except, of course, the chains. We are putting the pieces of our lives back together again in this COVID era. And as we do so, are we doing it as Jesus' followers first? Or are we looking to play at other games, follow other ways? For a figure like Agrippa, it is certainly true that the cares and worries of this world have immediately choked out the word of the gospel before it had a chance to take root. And yet the word has been preached, the case has been made, the seeds have been sown. And now Festus and Agrippa and Bernice know the truth of the matter. And so now it's time for Paul to head to Rome to tell the story there. Amen. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hand of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you, all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gift of relationship with others, and for the communion of faith in your church. For what else are we thankful Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray 
for those who govern the nations of the world, for those who are sick and for those who care for them, for countries and people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, especially this morning we think of Jerusalem and the Holy Land, for all who are working for peace and international harmony, that their work bear fruit, fruit that will last. For all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. And for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. For who else or for what else are we praying this morning? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to fulfilling your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.